Life's soundtrack can feel a bit like... But you can still change the station. With Delta Airlines, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back, everybody. And today, we're doing a show on the deal board that we really should have done a while ago, but we've gotten a few requests for it. But it's 10 ways to increase the value of your business. So we're talking about, say, you have a business that you're thinking about selling in the future, ideally one to three years out, and you want to figure out how can you drive value and get more money for your business. So we're going to go through 10 ways on how to do that today. Andy, you came up with these 10 ways a while ago. And really, I mean, they've they've held year over year. This, this is really a similar formula that what buyers are looking for and what can drive value, right? Yeah, I mean, we've been looking uh, to answer this question all the time because people always want more for their business. Every time I meet with a business owner, I feel like I'm disappointing them on some level. They ask me, how much is my business worth? We tell them, uh, and again, we've talked about this at valuation. It's a two to three time multiple for businesses like a sub-million dollar EBITDA. And they're like, wow, that's all? And I say, yeah. And then they say, really, I wanted more money. And it's like, well what can I do over the next year, next two years, next three years to increase the value of my business? And these are the 10 tips on ways that you can increase the value of your business. Yeah. So we're going to go through these 10 ways. We're going to add some color on them. I think this is an episode. It would be great for you to take notes. You can also download our show notes on the dealboardpodcast.com. But, you know, these are just some simple things that I tell people all the time. Like, unfortunately, business brokerage is this, you know, the world's best kept secret. And these aren't, they're not rocket science weight rocket science ways to increase the value, but oftentimes business owners don't know about them. And they're very easy to implement too. Some may take longer than others, but take notes and apply these to your business. Yeah. And we see these are the mistakes that people are making, right? So when we go into a business and we're doing valuations, these are the things that could cause a a huge decrease in the value, or it could be one of those little blemishes uh, that'll kill a deal. So if you could get all these 10 right, uh, you're going to be in a very good position to sell your business. All right. So why don't we jump in? What's the first way to increase value, Andy? Is to keep good books and records. I mean, this is so important. When people go to buy a business and they want to value that business and people are searching online, uh, they're going to look to income first. And if you can't verify your income your business is not going to be valuable. I mean, right, Jen? Yeah, I mean, it's actually comes down to very, um, if you think very simple in terms of buyer strategy, when a buyer is on a website like ours, like tworld.com or biz by sell, the first thing they're doing as they're scrolling through all the businesses listing for sale is they're looking at the earnings number. 
And they're looking at, like like we've talked about on valuation, buyers understand valuation too. It's pretty easy to find information online to understand the, the basis of business valuation. So the buyers are looking at the earnings to asking price ratio and determining whether or not that business is in line with, with the market. And from a very simple standpoint, they just won't inquire. So if the earnings aren't in line- Or it won't come up in their search. Right, yeah. It won't come up in their, yeah. So, I mean, just starting from there, your business can be neglected by, you know, hundreds or thousands of buyers just in that very first step. And, and honestly, the- you know, we talk about earnings a lot and I talk to a lot of business owners like, but there's so much more value in my business besides earnings. But we've talked a lot about this, that the qualitative factors in your business translate into numbers, translate into earnings. And that's what the buyers are looking for and analyzing first and foremost, before they get into any of the qualitative factors. You could have all the greatest things in your business. You could have assets. You could have beautiful inventory. You could have a beautiful build out. You could have the greatest location. But if you're not making money, you got a problem or you don't have, you're not making money and can prove it. Right. So, you know, we're seeing less and less of that over the years as cash becomes less important as cash becomes less prevalent out there, but there are still some cash incentive businesses and they need to keep good books and records and they need to show income. So that is the number one thing that you can do to increase the value of your business is increase your earnings and be able to prove it. And if you haven't listened to our podcasts on valuation and recasting, they're one of our first few episodes. Go back and listen to those. Um, it gives you a really good understanding of what we mean by earnings and keeping good books and records. You can even, you know, self-calculate what your earnings are based on those episodes. We also have a great tool at our website on tworld.com to help you understand what your earnings are and how that translates into value. But again, number one way to drive value in your business. So let's jump into number two. What's the number two way, Andy? Grow your earnings before you sell. So you want to have a good trend line. If you're going to sell your business, businesses are worth what they're going to make in the future for a buyer. The way the buyers look at that and understand what they're going to make in the future is they look at the trends. Right. And upward trends are a great way to drive value and also prevent decreases in value. So as much as you possibly can, you want, while you're getting your business ready to sell, you want your revenue and your profit to be growing. At a very bare minimum, you want them to be flat. You don't want them to be decreasing. But if you're talking about driving value, showing that the business is growing proves to the buyers that there's actual growth potential in the future. Yeah, and it proves it to the bank and it proves it to everybody who's looking at your business to perhaps uh, finance it or leverage it or help the buyers get into it. I mean, even beyond banks, you know, people who give people money to buy businesses or companies that buy companies, it is a lot of the trend could really affect your value. And if it's a downward trend, no one likes to buy a falling knife, as we said. And so, or no one likes to catch a falling knife. And, and, and so- uh, you definitely want to have at least, at least a steady trend, you know, a flat trend or at least an upward trend. So that is definitely a, a good way to increase the value of your business is to start having an uptrend. 
Yeah. And I will say too, we talk a lot about one of the reasons you would hire a business broker to help manage the sale process is so that you can continue focused running your business. And this is one of the reasons that you would have advisors like us come in. And it's not to tout, you know, that you, the only way to sell a business is through a business broker, but it is very, very important that this growth continues during the sale process. So say you find a buyer and uh, it's being, the transaction is being financed for a bank. Both the buyer and the bank are going to ask for financial statements up until the month before closing. So we've seen deals before where we're negotiated on a purchase price. And then the last quarter financials come in right before closing. And because the owner's taken his eye off the business and focused on the sale, the revenue or the earnings go down and the deal can fall apart or get retraded for a much lower value. So this is not just in preparation for sale. This is through the wholesale process too. You really have to ensure this really consistent growth. And it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be 50% growth numbers. It just has to be steady, you know, typical for your business. Exactly. Oh yeah. Sometimes the hockey stick is scary too. Yeah, exactly. So let's jump into way number three to increase value. Way number three, again, it has to do with income, improving income. So you want to, you know, every business owner manages their P&L to minimize taxes. And the way you do that is you sometimes put personal expenses into your businesses. And, you know, everybody, it's a certain a gray thing. Uh, it may not be illegal, but it's certainly a gray thing. They might write off more of their car than they do or take people out to dinner, which is uh, somewhat coming down over the years. But uh, they will put personal expenses into their business. If you're going to do that, uh, which we recommend that you start weaning yourself off of that. But if you're going to do that, make sure you have the ability to separate it, that you have some sort of system where you have one credit card for one thing and another credit card for discretionary items, or you have some sort of separate line item so you just don't lump it into cost of goods sold or steal from inventory. There's a lot of ways to handle this. Right. And I think this goes back to, again, you know, the buyers, how they're valuing it, but also banks, right? So the best way to get the most amount of cash up front for your business sale is to go through an SBA loan with the buyer um, and have bank financing. And banks are very careful about these fringe expenses. And there's a lot that they won't allow. Um, the other thing I see with business owners too, is there, there may be things in your business that you know, you think are business expenses, but aren't really necessary to the business operations. So some things I see are like conferences, right? So maybe you go to a conference every year and it doesn't really help your business. It's something you enjoy from a personal development perspective. You know, keeping that separate or even removed from the business, it's going to drop those expenses down to the bottom line. And you have to remember every dollar of expenses that you save, you're getting paid two to three dollars more. Um, so I always tell business owners when you're getting ready to sell, yes, you could save the 20 to 38% in taxes, um, you know, in these expenses you're running through your business, but you have to remember you're getting paid a two to three to four times multiple on the sale. So paying a little bit more in taxes a year or two before a sale really pays a lot more down the road. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. So again, just keep them separated or minimize them over the next few years. So way number four to drive value. Have proper management or staff in place. Uh, being the chief cook and bottle washer in your business uh, where you work 60 to 80 hours a week is certainly not going to translate the value 
or even uh, buyers may not even want that kind of lifestyle. So it's really important to have the right people in place in your organization. Yes. And I mean, and we get it. Andy and I have both built businesses. We've been in those places where you're starting your business out and you have to do everything. The business is on your back. But when you're getting ready to sell, you really need to transition yourself out of as many roles as you can, um, especially the roles that bring the most risk for a buyer. So things like customer facing roles. So we always talk about that you know, does the, does a customer do business with you or do they do business with your company? And the more that you can say the customer does business with the company, the less risk there is for a buyer and the the more value that's created there. Yeah. And that goes not only for you, but it also goes for family members. So if you have everybody exiting from the business, once the buyer buys, that is super scary to a buyer. Again, Buyers are buying future income. So anything that's going to have a detriment or a risk toward that future income, like four people leaving a business at once, uh, is going to be very scary and devalue your business. So the more independent people beyond yourself and beyond your family members that are willing to stick around afterwards and that are going to be an asset to the buyer, uh, because that's what they're buying, they're buying this widget that makes money. And if that widget is not going to break apart by all these family members leaving, uh, it that is going to enhance the value of your business. Yeah. And I think independence key. We also see a lot of people solve this one saying, oh, well, I'll just stay on with the buyer after the sale or my family members will stay on after the sale. And I think that works as a short-term solution. You don't see too many, um, especially small businesses, transition where the seller stays on for a lengthy period of time with the buyer after the sale. So bring in independent people really, I mean, it builds that organizational chart depth. It also, it shows the buyer that the business has the ability to recruit really good talent. Yep, I agree. So let's jump into way number five to increase value. So have the capacity to grow. If your business is at complete capacity, there is no room for growth. You are in a warehouse that is stocked to the gills and a buyer doesn't see the upside potential in a business or have the ability to grow or you need another uh, manufacturing line or you need to hire more salespeople. If you are completely built out uh, where there's nowhere to go but down, or at least just stay the same, your business is not going to be valuable to a buyer or more valuable. Again, every buyer that buys a business is assuming they're going to build it, right? Right. I don't think anyone buys a business to keep it the same. Um, and, and you'll see when you go to sell, your broker will work with you on identifying growth opportunities and how to position that to the buyer. But again, I think if you put yourself in the buyer's shoes in a lot of these situations, you'll see why it's so important with value and risk. So if you're a buyer buying a business and the only way to grow the business is to invest heavily more into the business, it's another hurdle they have to jump through. So we see a lot of businesses will say that will say, oh, well, you know, this, this location is great, but the best way to grow is through another location. Well, in the buyer's mind, then they have to buy this location and then they have to go out and invest money to start up a new location, find a new lease, buy a new building. And the capital investment just adds up. 
So if you do have the capacity to grow, and I think this is not just with space, but people as well. So you wanna make sure you have the right staff to grow. Um, it's the same thing if you have to say, you know, I'm gonna, you can grow by adding a sales force. That's a pretty big project for a buyer to tackle. Um, you know, I, I think this is, again, we're getting into ways to drive value, right? It's not gonna decrease your value or not make your company sellable if you don't have some type of growth mechanism in place, but you're gonna get more money if you do. Yeah. And this could get tricky. I understand. I mean, it, making capital investments doesn't necessarily hurt your P&L, right? So it's a balance sheet item and you're making these capital investments and, and your ability to recoup that capital investment may be a question, you know, like, listen, I have to spend $250,000 and it really doesn't add value to my company. But again, if your business is going to not be able to sell. So we see this in franchising, right? Where they have specific schedules to redo their, uh, you know, we see this in things like Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's where they have to do a certain refresh every few years and that's required. And if somebody's up against that or they're overdue, uh, we've seen this in people with computer systems, not having the right CRM system or not having the right POS system where they have to upgrade. And if they don't do it and leave it to the buyer, again, that's not only uh, capital money going in, but like you said, the go, you know, coming, implementing that is, is costly and another risk. Yeah, it's another risk. And it's, you know, these buyers have to learn your business from scratch. So the first six months, all they're doing is learning the business from scratch. If they have another big project they have to tackle as well on top of the learning curve, it's a lot. It's a lot for them. So let's move into way number six to increase value. And number six might sound familiar because it's sort of the same. Keep good books and records. And we talked about in the beginning, keeping good books and records because you want to be able to show your income. But this one I'm going to talk about that you have to, in order to, to keep good books and records, you have to have a great partner in that, in a CPA partner. So first things first, you need a good CPA. If you are don't have a, I mean, every business should have a CPA, but they need a good one. Someone who understands how to do bookkeeping correctly and so we we feel it's really important. And then along with that, have the ability for the CPA to get the right information, which is through a POS system or an inventory system or some sort of sales system that's going to make your business be able to have uh, the right books and records. So at the end of the year, you could uh, prove your income again. Your CPA is going to be a powerful partner in your transaction. So, you know, not only are they going to help you get your books and records ready for sale, they're going to be a partner in due diligence. The buyer has the ability to review all these financial statements. A lot of buyers will bring in their own CPA or financial advisor as well. And the CPA can help answer those questions for them. So, and explain how the books and records were put together and verify any questions they have. You know, and then lastly, the CPA is going to help you put the deal together too. The CPA is a partner in, in the deal or a, a, as an advisor, like a broker or an attorney is. I mean, you're going to have to file tax returns once you sell the business and there's different taps, tax implications based on what type of sale you have. So you really want a good CPA and not just a good CPA, but a good CPA that's familiar with small business sales that have, has been involved in transactions in the past. Absolutely. I, I agree with you a hundred percent that they are going to be a good partner and you need one, like you need a very good one. So Yes. 
So let's jump into way to drive value number seven. Well, we talked about this a little bit, but again, we talk about quality of earnings, which would, that's what we were just talking about, making sure you could prove it. But increasing your bottom line is going to not only increase your value because it's applied to a multiple, but the multiples go up as the bottom line goes up. And we see this a lot. So uh, it will increase your multiple, right? Right. And this is actually like a really easy one to do. I think as everyone, we all run our businesses, you have expense creep, right? So you just renew your contracts, you add things on. I mean, with software anymore, you can quickly add up with subscriptions and packages that you sign up for after like free downloads and things like that. So a a good exercise that I do in my business is every quarter we go through our expenses and we look at anything that we can eliminate or renegotiate. Every time we have a vendor contract up for sale, we're always going to, you know, requote that up on an annual basis. But again, this is actually decreasing your expenses will increase your bottom line faster sometimes than increasing revenue. And then like we talked about two to three times, sometimes four times for every dollar. So it's a pretty powerful exercise to do. Yeah. And again, increasing your bottom line, a business worth that's making $50,000 is basically almost a hobby. I mean, it's a nice hobby. Uh, $50,000 doesn't go very far in places like Denver and South Florida and San Francisco and New York. So your business, your chances of selling that business are lower and the value of that business is going to be a low multiple. If you get that business to making $500,000, well, that's a good living in any of those cities and $500,000 will get you a high multiple, probably a three, maybe even a four. And as you get toward the million dollars, that's where you get in the four and five multiples. So it really scales from literally $50,000 business one time to uh, add a million dollars four or five times. So that's how it works. It's almost a linear scale and you could get more money for your business if you increase uh, your bottom line. Yeah. So increase your bottom line either by reducing expenses, growing revenue, or doing both, right? Right. Both. Both. So let's jump into way to increase value number eight. Well, this is what we've seen uh, decrease the value or cost the seller in a deal. You must keep everything in good repair. And and, and it just makes the business look better. I mean, listen, when you're selling a house, uh, people are uh, staging them. It's sort of the same thing in business. You want to keep everything in good repair. Uh, so the person thinks that you have pride in your business. And I, I think this really adds to the value. It really does. I mean, one, it's going to attract more buyers to your business. Um, we had a business for sale legitimately once that had a a sink in the front yard when you walked up to the business and, (laughs) um, buyers would pull up and they would, they would pull away. Right. So it's just, so again, if we look at the pipeline of bringing buyers to the business and making it offer, it's going to bring more people once they get to your business to be engaged because you see you, they take, you take good care of it. And on the backside, once you get into negotiating a deal, the buyer is going to verify the conditions of the assets in the business, including, um, you know, inventory and equipment and all that stuff. And they'll know if you need to replace a big piece of equipment or do some major repairs in your business. And they're going to negotiate a deduction on purchase price based on what they're going to have to invest in repairs. Yeah. And we've actually seen it blown up deals. So somebody was keeping around an old piece of equipment. It was a battery charger business and they had this old piece of equipment and they said, Oh, that's, that's just dead. It should, you know, I should have thrown that out a long time ago. And the buyer's like, no, I want a backup. I want to increase the, again, wants to increase the, uh, 
volume in the business says, I want to use that as a way to increase my business. And he's like, well, I can't even get the parts for it. It became a knockdown drag out. And I think it killed the deal. Uh, one of the things that killed that deal. So, Right. So keep everything in good repair. And if not, if you don't use it, throw it out. Because you're right. The buyers are going to walk through. They're going to do these tours and they're going to ask about everything they see. So if it doesn't work, just get rid of it. It also makes the space feel cleaner and like there's more space to expand and grow as well. Yep. Condo your business. All right. So next, uh, number nine, how to drive value in your business. We just talked about it a little bit. Control, manage, and document inventory. Uh, inventory should be lean. It should be moving. You should have the right ratios to the in your industry to the amount of inventory you carry and how it moves. And we've seen uh, deals killed because of this. All right. So yeah, definitely keep it lean. We, we tell a lot of our clients to um, slim down their inventory in preparation for a sale. Don't think that a buyer's going to also take aging inventory. You know, if you don't want the inventory, they don't want it either. Um, so move it out through a sale or something like that. I think the other big thing is in this management part is have, and we talked a little bit about this in good books and records, but have a really good system, have a good software system, whether it's through your POS or another one that controls and manages your inventory in a very clear manner. I think, you know, we're in 2020 now, right? So we're beyond the point where managing your inventory or in, in your head or on pen and paper, or honestly, even on an Excel document is, is feasible at this point. Most buyers are, are requiring some type of inventory management system. Yeah. And, and using your inventory as a tax saving tool where you, you know, keep decreasing the value of your inventory. So it raises your cost of goods sold. I won't spend the time going through it now, but if you try to do that using your cash base accounting and just go out and buy extra inventory at the end of the year to, and you literally not manage your document, your inventory, this is something that is extremely difficult to unwind, extremely difficult to prove to a buyer that that was actually income. And it turns into a complete nightmare. I've seen it actually in a couple of businesses made businesses unsellable because they use this as a tax strategy where they bought excess inventory at the end of the year, just wrote it off as cost of goods sold, and then had this excess inventory that was not even on the balance sheet. And this is a, this is a recipe for a nightmare. So do not do this. Do not do this. No. And if you do reverse it now before you get ready to sell, like we do, like Andy said, we, we see a lot of things and we're able to help a lot of different situations um, and unwind them or fix them before sale. But the inventory, playing the games with inventory is is probably the, the worst. It's just really, really difficult to unwind that when you're on the market for sale. If you're, if you're doing it in prep like two years ahead of time, that's a different story. Right. And if you are, if you're within six months of a sale and you have this you know, crazy old inventory or excess inventory, you're not going to be able to dump it through your usual channels. Because if you do that, you're going to hurt the sales moving forward for the buyer. Again, future income. So you're going to have to offload it to some sort of liquidator that's not going to push it into your current uh, customer base. It's another good one. So topping off or wrapping up the 10 ways, number 10 way to drive value in your business. Keep good books and records. We've said it three <laughs> times. This is the yep. third time. And this is the third big reason and the big way 
to keep good books and records because if you keep good books and records, you're going to have the ability to get your business financed. And that couldn't be more true today. The SBA is in program is in great shape, right? Right. The SBA program is probably in the best shape we've ever seen it. There's tons of opportunity through banks to have acquisition loans for buyers. And, and like I said earlier, it's, it's one of the best ways to get the most cash for your business up front. Most of these SBA loans you're seeing, you know, 70 to 80% loan to value. So you're getting that much in cash up front. But the catch is that banks want to see very clean financial records. So it goes back to when we were talking about keeping your personal expenses out of the business. Banks are going to accept very few personal addbacks unless they're very well documented. You know, they want to see very tight books and records that are prepared by a CPA, a third party, things like that. Yeah, and a little example, right? So if you had a business that was netting $200,000, that you had bad books and records, let's just assume for it's going to be worth two times. So if you have two times, uh, that's, you know, if and you had bad books and records, you're not going to get finance. So you might get 50% down. So you get $200,000, then you have deal expenses, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you're going to net about a buck fifty in your pocket and have a note for $200,000 moving forward. Now, if you had good books and records and you still made $200,000 and you had great books and records and it looked great, your business, we probably could get a higher multiple for that. So let's say we could get a three-time multiple for that because we have good books and records and we could get bank financing, which makes people buy a little bit more because they can leverage into it. You have a $600,000 sale and the buyer only has to put in 10%. And even if you had to leave a little bit behind as a seller note, uh, you're going to net about $500,000. So the difference right there in those two examples, get 150 at the closing or get 500. Big difference. Yeah. And this is when, when we talk to business owners and they're like, we re I really don't want to carry a big seller note. This is how you don't carry a big seller note. You have to make your business uh, qualified for financing. Right. So, the, you know, these were the 10 ways that... Uh, we feel that are, are really important to increase the value of your business over the next, say, two or three years if you want to sell. We you know, uh, keep talking about the seller tsunami coming and people are going to have to sell this decade. Uh, this is the decade where baby boomers are going to sell their business en masse. So you really need to do these things to make sure your business is uh on the upswing as far as value is concerned and get the most for your money for your money and uh this presentation that we just did if you're listening and you want us or one of our trans world associates to come out this is a great you know we just spent about 30 minutes talking about this we could do it in 20 uh this is a great rotary or uh tech or BNI, yeah. right, BNI, we could do this for your, uh, pre, you know, for your business owners. And it's a great little talk. Yeah. So set a date, make a plan to implement these 10 ways in your business. Like Andy said, ideally two to three years out, some of these things, even like, you know, you can clean up within six months. There's, even if you're on a faster timeline to sell, sell, there are some things you can do before you hit the market to make your business more sellable and also worth more. So we hope you found value in this podcast. We also have a couple great deals of the week and listings of the week for you this week. Um, and as always, if there's topics you want us to cover or questions you have for the show, visit us at thedealboardpodcast.com. 
Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And it is Deal of the Week. And I have Mark Lazarus from Transworld Business Advisors of Passaic County. And that is in my home state of New Jersey. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Glad to be on. So you sold a very interesting deal in the dry cleaning industry. Okay. This was a, a nice size deal. I was glad to get it. Um, I, I was advertising nationally and I got one in my backyard and it was a plant with five drop stores. So when I originally took the listing, I was looking at all the lease assignments and saying this was going to be a headache. But uh, as you'll find out, it really wasn't. So the gross sales for this company were $2.4 million. The SBE was around five fifty. We're asking 1.75 mil, and we actually got a buyer at 1.6, which was about three times. Right. And the irony was that the seller sold it back to the guy he bought it from, which was six years after the acquisition. Hmm. The, uh, the original uh, seller was in a joint venture with two other investors and they were going to go into competition against him. Ironically, they were in the middle of building out a plant and they had four drop stores. And when the original request came in, I recognized the name of this potential buyer as the seller. And I contacted my client and said, guess who's asking for information? His original response was, don't deal with him. He's crazy. I don't want to get back involved with him. He's probably just looking for information. Well, the guy kept blowing up my phone with texts and emails and calling. He got his partners to call me. And I told my seller, he's, he's going to blow my phone up. We got to deal with him. So we started a conversation. Um, the buyer and seller met. And the seller said, no, he's serious about it. And sure enough, we worked out a deal. We did it really quickly. It was all cash. And wow. uh, we closed it a couple of days ago. Yeah. And you were talking about the lease assignments. Why was that easy? Well, ironically, most of the leases were still with people that the buyer had originally dealt with. So they knew him and he was still actually, it was some of them were his leases that were assigned to my seller and he was going to assign them back to himself. There so the land was all known. It was pretty ironic. All right. So that's a good deal. And, you know, like we said before and many times that you never know who the buyer is going to be. And the buyer was the old seller. I mean, that's uh, very, you know, and it's funny when people sell a business, they think they're going to retire. And then all of a sudden they get the itch and they want to go back in the business. And uh, this turned out great for everybody. Yeah, it sure did. Sure did. Everybody was pretty happy. And so was I. Yeah, there it you go. A lot. Yeah, it was a, a lot easier than um, some of the other deals that I, I've been involved in. Because everybody knew that the buyer looked at his P&Ls and he knew what he was looking at right away. He didn't have to do a deep dive. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, listen, good deals for good people. And sometimes we're lucky. <laughs> it's a little easier than we thought it was going to be. So, Mark, if somebody wanted to sell a dry cleaner business, uh, how could they get in touch with you? Well, one is my email, which is my initials, ml at SeaWorld.com. Or my phone is 201-370-9600. I've done a lot of dry cleaners and uh, I'm always looking. I have a lot of, I have buyers and I've, I've put it up on uh, our internet that I have some buyers around the country that I'm looking for places. Uh, to, so I'm looking for the Transworld team to help out, find me some sellers. And that's what we do here. We have a dynamic marketplace. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate you coming on today. Sure, no problem. Thanks, Andy. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Hey, we're back with Listing of the Week, and we have a special guest. We have Tom Milana from Transworld Business Advisors of South Florida, and he is our international uh, director, and he has another international deal for us. Hey, Andy, I sure do. Uh, Great to be here again. Uh, Andy, I've recently listed a Costa Rica escape room with a real special theme. Um, this is located down in Jaco, Costa Rica, uh, an ideal business for an, an expat that might be living there, somebody that wants to move there. It's making money, right? Yeah, sure is. Sure is. It's, it's, it's only been a, in existence for about a year. Uh, they've already done uh, an estimate of about $76,000 in gross sales. And because of the way payroll and rent is down there, that's about $60,000 a year profit. Wow. And it has a good location, right? It is literally located next to one of the largest, most popular shopping malls. And Costa Rica is a, a place where there's a lot of expats these days. A lot of Americans like it down there. It seems very friendly. It is a super friendly place for Americans, uh, people looking to uh, get away from the hustle and bustle of America and uh, wanting a little piece of their own tropical paradise. Yeah, and, and this is a way to get established down there, and you can uh, take it from there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Again, uh, this is a Costa Rica escape room. Asking price is 99900 There's some negotiability, and the owner is willing to do some financing. Excellent, excellent. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, you can call me uh, internationally via WhatsApp or cell phone, which is one five six one. 702-6867 or simply tom at tworld.com. Sounds like a fun deal to get away from it all. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.